Our Father, we ask that you would now come to us through your Spirit and through the Son. We pray, come Lord Jesus. We know that it is often that we find ourselves, even on the Lord's day, distracted, sometimes weighed down by sin, other times full of doubts and questions. And so we pray that you would meet us here. And as we hear your word, and as Lord Christ, we hear your sermon once again, that you would set our feet firmly on the way of the cross. And that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would lead us through the narrow gate. And help us to see the life and joy that's on the other side. Meet us here now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand for a reading of God's word? We're continuing our series through the Sermon on the Mount. This morning I'll be reading from Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Beginning with verse 13, these are Jesus' words for us this morning. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now today, one of the most common critiques against Christianity in our pluralist society is the exclusivity of Jesus. People will often ask, isn't it narrow to believe that Christianity is the only true religion. Perhaps you've asked that same question yourself. Others will ask, how can Christians say that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation? Isn't that hateful? Isn't that bigoted? Author Paulo Coelho, who wrote The Alchemist, among many other works, wrote that all religions lead to the same God. And they all deserve the same respect. In similar fashion, Gandhi once said that the different religions are beautiful flowers from the same garden. Or they are branches of the same majestic tree, therefore they are equally true. I think these two sentiments help capture what people often believe in our pluralistic age. That all of these different ways of believing, all of these different ways of religion, all of these different truths have to be grasping at the same thing, right? The question I want to ask this morning is, can that really be possible? Are religions really all the same? Can they be equally true? This morning, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows us that Christianity 
is unlike any other religion in the world. It is completely unique in what it teaches and what it offers. And he shows us the uniqueness of the gospel when he invites us to enter by the narrow gate. And in fact, he shows us this gate is so narrow that it is the only way to life. And this morning, I want to show you why that is actually good news. So this morning, I just have two points. The first is this. Jesus tells us there are two ways. I want you to look with me, Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. And then he also said, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So first, what I want you to consider is that Jesus says there are two ways. Two ways to live. There's the hard way and the easy way. We still use this language today. Which way do you want? You want the hard way or the easy way? Exactly. Everybody wants the easy way. It's meant to be a very simple question with an answer that seems obvious to us, and yet Jesus is using it as a warning to say, not so fast, because the way that seems easy leads to death. And the way that's hard is the one that leads to life. This way of thinking actually goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Throughout the Bible, this idea of two paths of life, summing up all of human existence really to, to two different and opposite paths is nothing new. Jesus is building on this tradition. Jeremiah 21, 8, the prophet says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Two different ways to live. One leads to life, the other leads to death. Psalm 1, the Psalter, the Psalms itself, they, they begin with this idea of two paths. The psalmist says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There are two ways, two paths. One is the way of sinners that leads to death. The other is the way of righteous leads to life. And here Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is building on that idea. And he was saying, don't move so fast into the easy way. The easy way is going to seem like the way you should go. But it's actually the way that leads to destruction. It's the hard way, the hard path that leads to life. So what do these ways actually look like? What is the easy way and what's the hard way? Well, I think Jesus has been teaching us about the hard way throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And if you go back to the very beginning, I think he's talking about the hard way when he's teaching us the Beatitudes. This is the hard way, the more difficult way, the way that seems so counterintuitive to us. It's this way that Jesus flips on its head and says, this is the way to life. I want you to listen to the hard way. Matthew 5, verse 3. Jesus says the hard way looks like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think Jesus is describing the hard way that leads to life. It's hard because it's the way of humility, the way of self-sacrifice, the way of suffering. It's hard because Jesus is inviting us into the way of the cross. This is the cruciform life. And this is what makes the Sermon on the Mount so radical and so challenging for us. Because we hear that and we say, well, who wants to go down that way? If we're honest, who wants to take that path, the, the path of suffering, the path of sacrifice, the path of dependence? To answer that question, we have to consider the easy way. What does Jesus mean by the easy way? I think one of the best ways that I explain the easy way to you is to read not the Beatitudes to you. But I want you to listen for just a second as I give you the anti-Beatitudes. This is the easy way. Blessed are the proud and the arrogant, for they will build their own little kingdoms. Blessed are the avoidant and the apathetic, for they will strive to make themselves comfortable. Blessed are the powerful, for they will inherit everything that they can control. Blessed are the self-righteous, for they will learn to look better than everyone else around them. Blessed are the vengeful and the vindictive, for they shall win at all costs. Blessed are the lustful and the self-indulgent, for they shall see their idols as more and more captivating. Blessed are the divisive and the quarrelsome, for they shall be called sons of their own tribes. Blessed are those who are celebrated for being self-righteous, for theirs is the kingdom of men. And blessed are you when others compliment you and celebrate you and utter all kinds of praise for you on your account. Don't worry, be happy, for your reward is great on earth. And for so they praised every passing culture, every fallen nation, every collapsed government, every disbanded political party, every empty philosophy, every false religion, and every disproven scientific and social theory that has gone before you. My friends, that is the easy way. And it is enticing to us. Each and every day, we are lured to go down the easy path, and Jesus is saying, stop. Not so fast. The easy way seems like the way to go, but it leads to death. It leads to destruction. It leads to eternity, separated from God. It's the hard way. The way of suffering and self-sacrifice, the way of the cross that leads to life. How can we go down that path? The answer is we can't. And this is why Jesus said in the Gospel of John, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's as much a statement about the exclusivity of Jesus as it is about our inability. When Jesus says that no one comes to the Father except through him, he's saying that no one can come to the Father. We don't have the ability. No one. None of us can do it on our own, but thanks be to God that Jesus is the way. The only way, the only one who's walked down the hard way in front of us. And he has forged a path all the way to the cross. The author of Hebrews calls him the archagos, the trailblazer, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who has gone before us. And now he is calling us to follow him on the hard way to life. So this morning, as you hear that, you should say, well, why would I want to do that, and how could I even do that? How can I even follow Jesus on the hard way? Maybe you're feeling that this morning. If you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, or you're considering Christianity, we'll say, well, who can follow Jesus to the cross? That's why Jesus, before he calls us to walk down the hard way, he says, enter by the narrow gate. It's the second thing I want you to know. Jesus not only says there are two ways, he says there are two gates. One is the wide gate, the other is the narrow gate. I want you to listen again what Jesus says. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. In the same way that Jesus is challenging us by saying the hard way leads to life and the easy way leads to destruction, his words here talking about narrow and wide are meant to be provocative. They're meant to challenge us. When he says enter by the narrow gate, not the wide gate, it's meant to cause us some pause. You see, because in the ancient world, the idea of narrowness wasn't necessarily a good thing, just like it's really not a good thing today. As you think of the word narrow, you think of constrictive. You think of difficulty. In fact, it's so narrow that later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus compares the narrow gate to the eye of a needle. It's that small. It's that narrow. Jesus is challenging us with the absolute narrowness of the Gospel. But I want you to see this morning, he's also showing us why the narrowness of the gospel is good news. Why would Jesus call us to enter by a narrow gate? To answer that question, we have to first understand what he means by the wide gate. Look what he says about the wide gate, the end of verse 13. He says, the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Then notice what he says next. And those who enter by it are many. The gate is wide, and many come to it. There is not a better description of our pluralistic society. Pluralism is a wide gate. What do I mean by that? 
Leslie Newbigin was a British theologian, missiologist, one of my favorite books he ever wrote. It's called The Gospel in a Pluralist Society. I want you to listen to what he says about pluralism. He says, it's become commonplace to say that we live in a pluralistic society, not merely a society which is in fact plural in the variety of cultures, religions, and lifestyles which it embraces, but pluralistic in the sense that this plurality is celebrated as a thing to be approved and cherished. The most simple definition, pluralism, is simply the existence of lots of different ways of thinking and forms of religion. It acknowledges that there are lots of different religions out there, which there are, almost 5,000, some estimates say. And that beyond even religion, there's lots of different worldviews and ways that you could think about the world, lots of different explanations and philosophies, and pluralism says that these all exist. Today's pluralism goes another step further. And it says not only do these differing views exist, but they all coexist, and they must be celebrated as all pointing to the same thing. Today, pluralism is not simply about diversity. It's about celebrating the diversity of religions as being multiple paths to the same God and the same salvation. So again, the question we have to ask this morning is, is that true? Is it even possible Because at its core, I think what Jesus would say to us today is that pluralism is a wide gate. And many try to enter through it. But what I want you to see this morning, the reason why the narrow gate is such good news, is because the wide gate of pluralism invites you to enter with these impossible instructions. Enter by the wide gate and save yourself. Enter by the wide gate and save yourself. And you see, this is what pluralism actually gets half right. Because every other religion other than genuine Christianity in the world today, every other philosophy and way of thinking actually does have a very common message. Save yourself. Luke Ferry French philosopher put it this way in a brief history of thought. He said, the quest for a salvation without God is at the heart of every great philosophical system. In other words, even apart from religion. Today, if you say, I'm not a religious person, that's actually a deeply theological statement. And deep down, you are on your own quest to self-salvation just like everyone else. Every other religion outside of genuine Christianity has the same message. Buddhism, save yourself through enlightenment. Hinduism, save yourself through action, knowledge, devotion. Islam, save yourself through obedience. And then there is, of course, the most popular man-made religion in the South, cultural Christianity, which says save yourself by knowing more and being better than the people around you. Every one of these says save yourself, and it's an impossible task. This is why the narrow gate is good news, because Jesus has made a way for us. He has given us a narrow gate. Yes, it is narrow. 
Yes, it is unique. In fact, it is the only one that says, not save yourself, but you've been given a savior. Not enter the wide gate and save yourself, but Jesus is inviting us to enter through the narrow gate because Jesus saves. Christianity is the only religion in the world that doesn't ask us to claw our way to God through obedience or knowledge or enlightenment, but it's the only one that says God came down to us for our salvation. The only one that says that it, our Savior God humbled himself by going on the hard way. And he took the hard way all the way to the end, the cross. It's the only one that says that our Savior died a shameful and humiliating death. He was punished for you and me. And on the third day, he rose again so that we would have life at the end of the hard way of suffering. Jesus is inviting us to enter the narrow gate because the narrow gate is good news. It's the only news that says salvation has been given to you. Jesus put it this way in the Gospel of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. What I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus is the narrow gate. The gate that we are invited to enter into is so narrow, it is fixed on a person, the person and work of Jesus. And you say, well, why did he do that for us? Why has he opened this narrow gate so that all who believe, as he says, could enter by him? Because he loves us. The wide gate, the wide gate promises a salvation that you could never achieve. And for that reason, it's actually the most difficult, the hardest, the most hateful, and most exclusive way of salvation that exists. Because no one can do it. There is no one who can know enough no one who can obey enough and no one who can be good enough to be called worthy of salvation. And more than that, the thing that we never think about is that even if you could try, there's always someone who's going to do better than you. Did you ever think about that? And so how do you know you've made the cut? Jesus is the narrow gate who has opened the door wide for all who would enter by him and him alone. And that makes the exclusivity of Jesus the most radically inclusive message that has ever existed. Because no matter what sin struggle that you are bringing into the sanctuary this morning, no matter whatever that is entangling you, no matter your background and where you come from, Jesus is inviting you and me to enter by the narrow gate.
to come to the door and knock. And he tells us that anyone who would enter by him would be saved. Jesus is the narrow gate because he is the only one who laid his life down and walked the hard path to the cross. And this morning, he is calling, he is inviting you and me to enter by the narrow gate and to once again follow him down the hard path, the way of suffering, the way of sacrifice, and the way of the cross, that in his death and resurrection, we would find life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace and love that you have given us in inviting us to enter by the narrow gate. And now as we come to your table set before us, help us to see why this narrow gate is such good news. Because you have called anyone who would enter by you to salvation. May we see in this sacrament a tangible picture of that salvation this morning. That as all of us come forward and partake of this communion together and we look around, we would see that every kind of background and every kind of story you have folded into the hard path and the way of the cross. But also help us to see as we partake of these elements and we feast on your body and your blood. Help us to see that you have walked this hard path before us. You died and you rose again so that we could have life, and we pray that we would eat and drink the joy of that life abundantly now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.